mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Episode 14, this makes it the Justin episode. Is there really a Justin? There is. But but you know what the funny thing is? He's the last one. Next week, you're going to start seeing kids we watch them give birth, like her have. Okay. So this is the last kid before they started with the specials. Okay. Again, we came in with the names late. I wish I'd thought of it from episode one. It pisses me off. (laughs) But yeah, this is the last kid before you'll recognize the names, I think, a little bit because we watch them being born okay so anyways so today's episode is called big family reunion Mm -hmm. and it debuted on november 3rd 2008 i feel like it started so apropos so it started with um how so of course baby cannon she's loaded fully (laughs) loaded up with number 18 She's 20 weeks along, mm-hmm. and of course, they have to, you know, load up the whole brood to go to the doctor's appointment mm-hmm. together. It's like a field trip. It's like literally yeah. like having, I mean, like, was there permission slips <laughs> for them to sign? Right. Can I preface one thing? Absolutely. So before they did the intro uh, where they do the whole, this is my family, we have, you know, we're not traditional, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, they'd usually do kind of a cold open with some clips from the show that are about to come up. Yes. Um, spoiler alert, they go to the Creationist Museum. Spoiler! Um, in this episode. But there's a point where there's an animatronic audio animatronic. Audio animatronics. Of Noah from Noah's Ark. And it's him and he has like bugged out eyes. He does. And he goes, something terrible is coming. <laughs> didn't notice that they had that in the beginning you're not wrong noah (laughs) you are not wrong not wrong all right he's talking about a flood we're talking about something different (laughs) all right so uh baby cannon is going to get the ultrasound yes we're debating the uh chance that they had permission slips yes that's where we're at okay did they have to pay their three dollars like you know or whatever (laughs) put in an envelope right so while they're waiting in the waiting room, they have this little part where they're talking about, like, Michelle's like, the kids had some great ideas for names. <laughs> and they just kind of flash around to different stuff. And Jed, I think it's Jed. I'm going to say I think after a lot of things when I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's Jed. He has such a fucking square face. Um, you'll, I can't stand Jed either. You'll see. Jedediah. Um, Jedediah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, you um, said Jed, and I was like, yeah, is there okay, a kid so, that yeah, I've no. never heard of before? It's just okay. the shortened, and people call him bunk bed Jed. It's a whole other thing. <laughs> anyway, so Jed, I think, says, <laughs> Jefferson Thomas. See what he did there? The no. little switcheroo there on Thomas Jefferson. Look at that. Look at that. Ginger says, Jesse Grace. Mm-hmm. And then Geppetto says, uh, <laughs> and that's it. He doesn't give anything. He's just like staring there stupidly. Yeah, pretty much. And 
as always, <laughs> they vote along gender lines. Gender. Gender. Uh, someone in our messages, they were like, gender, because of last episode. Mm-hmm. They're like, gender. If they'd had baby number 20, that would have been the name. <laughs> and I'm like, it is very close to ginger, but it's yep. gender. <laughs> so they vote along gender lines. So go figure. The boys want a boy and the girls want a girl. Just full surprises, these Duggars. <laughs> I bet some of them like pickles. Oh, my God. You know, some of them don't. They're so individual. <laughs> so then, then when they're in the actual room, like back in the appointment, Jill says, other ladies a lot of times like to show off their pregnant belly. My mom is different. She likes to be covered as well as possible. So she'll have someone hold a drape or something. <laughs> then it cuts to a talking head of Michelle saying, there's no skin shown until the baby's born. And then you see the baby's skin. And that's the only skin I want to be seen. I just like to be modest. So, in other words, be ashamed of your body. Well, it's just, it's so over the fucking top and ridiculous. It's yeah. like, you're making this a way bigger deal than the than rest of the is. world is making mm-hmm. this. Number one, personally, I don't find stomachs that offensive. Mm-hmm. That's but, a good news for me. <laughs> as he's sitting here shirtless. As Damn right. As we're recording. This all could be yours. <laughs> um, so I don't find stomachs that offensive, number one. But number two, like, it's a pregnant belly. Like, it's very different. I feel like even people who do not normally show off their stomach are not like, oh, my God, during an ultrasound. It's your, you're having, a, you're growing a fucking baby. Like, right. get over it. Like, it's just so ridiculously over the top. I'm like, you are creating this problem, this, like, sexual type thing that does yeah. not exist if you weren't making it such an issue. Yeah. I don't know. Just, and also, lady, you've done this, like, 18 other times like it's fine like she treats it like she's in stirrups and like giving birth and her kids are watching it's like it's your stomach lady move the fuck on it's ridiculous and like the way the the cumbersome way in which everybody's having to hold a drape and like look away it's it's so ridiculous i can't think of another way to describe it yeah i think you hit it on the head though like the you're making a bigger deal out of this than it would be if you didn't make a dig big deal out of it. I have never like, watched a, a TV show where people are getting ultrasounds and I'm like, oh, look away. Like, you know, there's certain things where you're like, like no part of my, like, oh my God, their stomach is showing. Yeah. Like, they're putting gel on you and they're like, I mean, you're, it's not like you're naked. It's your stomach. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a societal thing. I think there's leftover tracts of like, be ashamed of the human body and Everything should be bad, and we're going to create this veil of mystery around it that it doesn't really need. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we're used to this shit, so it's pretty... It's over and done with. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I forgot to say the the key thing. It's one baby, because they're like, is it two? Right. It's one baby, and it's a girl. I almost skipped over this, because that's how anticlimactic it is, because we're so used to this by now. I did think it's funny that in when they kind of do the announcement then the camera pans over to look at all the kids sex pest is on the cell phone he's probably talking to anna yeah it's probably with some sort of like adjacent person but i did think it was funny all the kids are like oh and he's homies on the phone but do you remember how when they did the last announcement on the today show and he was like oh uh, 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 he like <laughs> like acted like i'm just so shocked i'm like no you're not now you're on your fucking <laughs> cell phone like you don't give a shit <laughs> Was this the same pregnancy? Oh, it was the same pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. See what I mean? This was the yeah. same pregnancy. That was the announcement of it. Right. Okay. 
20 <laughs> weeks. She, I'm just so used to her having fucking babies. I can't even keep track right. of who is who. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next scene goes to Michelle saying, we're packing today. We. <laughs> Are we? We, packing? Michelle. I used to do that when I was sure, a server <laughs> where I would go to the table. I used we for everything. How we doing today? Like it was like I was a part of the journey. <laughs> <laughs> you're cooking that we are working on your food yep. we're gonna get that food out as soon as possible yep. we we so yeah sure michelle uh they're packed so uh jess is packing <laughs> because and there's even a point where she kind of shows like how she's like this under part of the bus mm-hmm. is joseph through blah 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 and you know whatever um i don't feel like we have to get into those details so much anymore but they're packing because they're headed to her family reunion and it looks like they all need coffee. Yes. It doesn't look like there's a morning per- a morning person in the house. Um, and they kind of talk about it more in episodes as we go forward. But they're like, they're night owls. And you'd think with that many kids, like, I'd be like, go the fuck go to the bed. To yeah, bed. I know. Go the fuck <laughs> to bed. But then again, it, what does it matter? It's like the sister moms are taking care of the kids. So what does Michelle give a shit? Right. But they, they stay up late and mm-hmm. they wake up late. So, yeah, they're not morning people. So then the next morning... It's bright and early, and they leave relatively on time for Duggar time. Mm-hmm. Like, Jim Bob seems impressed, and it does look like they got it together, and it's not as frantic as it has been. Well, didn't they and- say that, like, most of the little boys were sleeping on the bus already? Yes, which is smart. That if you saves have, you some If you stuff. have that opportunity, they were fully dressed, like, they weren't in pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were fully dressed and sleeping in the little bunkhouse tour bus thing, yeah. so that they didn't have to wake the kids up, so it was just the older kids mm-hmm. and parents say that with being generous um getting you know just kind of getting ready and then getting on the bus right so they leave relatively on time and they're road tripping their way to ohio Mm -hmm. so that's where uh the family's at and i don't know if you notice but in one of there's a really quick shot while they're on the bus where jill and jessa are holding up a cell phone in between them as, oh, if it's I didn't on, as if that. it's on speakerphone, right? Okay. And it's like between their two faces and they're holding it up and it says Anna Keller. So I was uh, just like, I thought that was funny that they're just like, so they obviously like talked to her. I don't know if it was like, oh, Josh, let's talk to your girlfriend or like, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it says Anna Keller and they're talking to her. So along this road trip, they do make a pit stop. Yes. <laughs> they stop at the Creation Museum. And the founder of the museum, his name is Ken Ham, and he um, he actually gives like pr- a personal tour to the family, mm-hmm. like the whole time that they're going through it. Yep. And a little background on Mr. Ken Ham, mm. he was a high school science teacher, and he says that he saw how evolution was a real stumbling block for people, even listening to the message of the Bible, and he felt a real burden. To create, I'm like, isn't a burden a bad thing? Like, I thought that was, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He he felt a real burden to create a creation museum to challenge people to another point of view. Because we don't have enough people trying to push their Bible on us. So, you know, we need yeah. a whole fucking museum now. Yeah. Um, did you know anything about Ken Ham before I, this? I did not. Did you? Yeah. Oh, oh you yeah. did? Oh, okay. See, I don't. Yeah. I've been on Reddit for a long time. So, like, when things came out about the place, they had some funding shenanigans happen where people were like... There's no way they can keep this thing running just on donations. So where are they getting the money? And like, yeah, it's it's been a mess. Okay. And don't quote me, but if I think I remember the last thing reading that they went bankrupt recently. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. 
<laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, if you're fully, f- um, like, donation-based for the most part, and that could be hard. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, even, like, you know, the, like, regular museums usually have some sort of uh, government funding that they can tap into. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that one Well, And I feel like a regular museum, you might get more, like, do you just get more, like, local, mm-hmm. like, support? Or this yeah. is, I don't know. I don't know. I shut up. What the fuck am I talking about? What do I know? Nothing. So anyways. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> you guys you guys heard it. It's recorded. <laughs> oh, Tim, just so glad I just said that. You, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then Jim Bob says they wanted to bring the kids to reinforce the fallacies of evolution and how it was impossible for this world to just all happen by chance. And then, um, it's funny because then there's this moment where Ken Ham tells them how the exhibit that they have that has, like, kids and dinosaurs together mm-hmm. has become the icon of the museum to the secular world. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's the big uh, home run swing he thinks it is. And then Jim Bob says, evolution is something a lot of people are teaching, but is totally unscientific. <laughs> then Michelle talks of how God created the heavens and the earth, and that science backs it all up. Every time she has to like explain her beliefs or say something religious, she gets like crazy eyes. She does. Like, it's like it's crazed. fucking intense. Like, yeah. Yeah, like there's less of a chance that you're going to disagree with her if she looks like she's going to murder you in your sleep. <laughs> right. Um, God created everything, and if you don't agree with me, I'll gut you like a fish. <laughs> and then she'll have um, Jill cook you for dinner. <laughs> so then there's this funny part where, so I do, I like I don't think I noticed or remembered Maybe I noticed before and I just didn't remember it. But I do enjoy the parts where the producers kind of ask the questions that the rest yeah. of the world, you know. Yeah. So It is kind of sad to watch the kids answer yeah. everything in this scene, though. So the producer asked Josiah if he thinks his parents are censoring. And he says, do, do you know what censoring means? And Josiah, he basically is like, yeah, it yeah. means like leaving stuff out or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked if he thinks they're censoring him from seeing the other side of things. And basically, Josiah just says no. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jill says, the world is 6,000 years old, like the Bible says. And then John David, which, did you notice that this is really, truly the first episode that there are more talking heads than, like, Josiah and Jill? John David has Yeah, like, John really David had never, anything. exactly. So, yeah. like, this is, like, a real turning point. Right. So, John David says. And he's awkward as hell. Yeah, he is. He still is. <laughs> he says. It's pretty obvious once you start looking into it, what's really would be more factual. (laughs) Then Jessa says it's actually more scientifically proven than billions of years old. (laughs) I just love that it's so much like this is what my parents have said. So I'm going to use the exact verbiage that they use, you know, it's again the parroting like we always talk about. Yeah. And I think them in particular and I hate like you see this in a lot of like polarizing ideas they feel like they can say anything without any sort of analysis because they feel like they have it all figured out 
Yeah. Like we have it all figured out. We know better than you. So I can say these things and I can judge you negatively because I understand it. And, and you're just, just you just don't get missing. it. Yeah, exactly. Well, so then Jana says, she says the Bible clearly displays all that some things. And she really says some like some things they they say in evolution, they make sense. But then if you read it and it's like, stop right there. <laughs> stop yep. right there, Jana. You um, almost had it. Then if you read the Bible, it lines up to where it's not correct. It's totally different. Yeah. There's there was a lot of use of verbiage that was around um it's pretty obvious. Oh yeah. It's just like if you don't understand like you're stupid. Like yeah. it's and it, obvious. Yeah. And it's easier to assume that it is very obvious and everybody should understand as opposed to maybe having to think a little bit deeper about your own beliefs you know what i mean it's a lot easier just to be like well you just don't get it yeah yeah, yeah. it's the equivalent of of well we're just gonna have to agree to disagree no go read the bible (laughs) so then there's this pretty great montage of the producers asking people on the street questions that relate to this and obviously this is again kind of like having the cousin amy there almost this is uh we're gonna show you the opposite end of the spectrum type the straight man yeah so um, I just love the snark of it all. Like, <laughs> there's just serious snark behind it. So they ask if they think if the world is six thousand years old. Guy one just says no. <laughs> Guy two says no, and the producer asks why, and he rattles off, "Well, uh, fossil dating, carbon dating, carbon dating common yeah. sense, I guess, probably <laughs> is the biggest one." Then the producer asks, "Do you think dinosaurs and humans existed together on the same planet?" Guy number one, again, just says no. He's very, like, to the point. No. Mm-hmm. Then there's a lady, and she says, oh, no, I don't think that happened. <laughs> then there's a guy three that pops in, and he says, and and he says it, like, there's, like, a tone or, like, kind of, like, a look to him that's very much in, like, a kind of, like, a duh way. Why are you like, asking the, me this? Yeah. Like, this is dumb. He So it's kind of, like, this questionary yet, like, kind of, like, squinty eye kind of feel. Yeah. And he says, dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago and humans didn't. And then some other guy um, later says, oh, no, no, it's the same guy. I'm sorry. So the same guy kind of says later on, he says, science is based on research and theories that are supported by research. And creationism is more of a belief. Mm-hmm. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because one of them, one of them is based off of. And like analysis and and seeing quantifiable data, and the other one is if you don't believe this, you're obviously lesser. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. It's believe. more guilt. It's more guilt. Well, yeah, that's what they're the best. To, they're, yeah. Religion is the best at guilt. Yeah, it's how they operate. So then, going back to guy number two, if you remember, guy number two is the one that says, "Uh, I guess common sense is probably the biggest one." <laughs> well, that same guy flipped the page. He says. I don't know that dinosaurs and humans were kicking it together back then. Ooh. He said, how about to each his own? <laughs> so he has a little bit of a little snark there. A little, yeah. little tood. So basically, the museum is a walk through history of the world, but through the lens of the Bible. So there's a part with Adam and Eve that is defrauding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her luckily, so Eve's hair cover her tatters, mm-hmm. but uh, Adam's are his nips are in full display, mm-hmm. and and they're just like, look at Adam and Eve. 
leave. And I'm like, you're allowing this? <laughs> I wasn't even looking at either of their countenances. I know. All I was looking at, I was like, well, Eve has pretty long. Her hair looks pretty well maintained. Good conditioner, maybe. Um, but yeah, I thought that was funny. I will say that regardless of whether the beliefs based off of scientific fact are pretty ass backwards of a lot of this stuff, their animatronics seemed really high quality. Did they? So I did feel like they were they were uh, well put together. So they got some good donations on those. Exactly. Good funding for the animatronics. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to point out, though, did you notice that the Doug girls are wearing the same Ma, Keller, and Anna? Yes. It's, which is also what they wore when they went to, went to Silver Dollar City. So I'm like, yeah. this must be their, like, going outfit. Right. <laughs> like... <laughs> Clearly, this is their, like, oh, we're going somewhere. Get out the pink polo <laughs> with the stripes. Right. That is their going out look. Um, so that's kind of it as far as the museum. My whole thing is, like, at the end of the day, like, I I believe in the science end of things. Mm-hmm. That's my personal belief. But yeah. at the end of the day, I really don't give a shit what got me here. <laughs> I think that's just what's so different. I'm like, they're so focused on, like oh but it has to be this i'm like who gives a shit we're here like what the fuck like i don't know that's just where i'm different i also don't care where the fuck i'm going after this either Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm gonna make the best of what i'm doing here and be a good person and that's all i care about but anyways that's a whole other conversation but it's just to get so like up i'm like why do you it doesn't matter why does it matter wait i remember so when i went to u of a i went for a science degree i went for biochemistry and one of the biggest things about science is like just the the idea of science is admitting that you don't know something, but you want to learn something. And things will so, and they'll want to call you out when you make changes because they're like, "See," and it's like, "Well, no, that's part of the process." Yeah, as I you analyze get more, new information. As you get more information, things change. Yeah, yeah. So that that was one thing that I I keep thinking through with this is that like being beholden to science is admitting that you don't know everything yeah whereas they want it yes yeah you know where i'm going like faith is the idea that like nope i'm 100 percent sure it is absolute and there's no going against it yeah because if you if you ask to dig a little bit deeper into what those beliefs are you're attacking them personally and also they don't have anything else besides it's what the bible says correct so they're just like for them it's to them it's simple the rest yeah. of us maybe not so much but to them yeah. it's like oh, well that's the bible i don't even get why you're asking this question yeah. we this is the beauty of this like we've talked about where we see different things so like you ended there i still have a couple nuggets oh do you from okay the go. museum Hit me with um it. so they go into the a portion of the ark and oh, they don't and, even get me started on Noah's ark and ken <laughs> ken ham says that they built one percent of what the ark actually was so it's like this little room and like where the like the windows would be there's like tv screens and it's playing this stuff and there's a couple animatronics inside um apparently the dude from the big lebowski (laughs) big lebowski um the dude from the big lebowski uh was on noah's ark because one of the animatronics looks exactly (laughs) like i actually remember now that you say that like i didn't think that but i know what you're talking about yeah somebody get that animatronic a white russian please um and then the one of the things that the animatronic says is with each passing day judgment draws nearer be careful josh (laughs) 
That was what was going through my whole, whole time. I think they're... That, is that the moment that the countdown started on his... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, God has a plan for all of us. So God knew this was coming, right? It was meant to be. I mean, he knew. Um, there was also a point where they asked Ginger, hashtag free Ginger, um, are you having fun here? And she just like sneers at the camera. I don't remember that. Like there was a... It's, they're walking through... Um, like the the Jesus section where it looks like he's in like a forest. Okay. And it was the one where Ken Ham was like, look, he has a lamb. And then they show this like Jesus animatronic with like a little lamb next to it. And yeah, so as they're walking through that, they one of the cameramen or producers asked Ginger, are you having fun here? And she just gives the most like teenager angsty look at the face or look at the I'll have to go back but um yeah I don't remember that but I don't put it past her I mean I think that they knew and so like every episode they're like when can we ask ginger where can we make ginger or ginger look miserable like and then the last thing I have uh from this section is Ken Ham was taking a break so they had like a uh, an assistant guy that was walking through a part and it was supposed to be after Adam and Eve ate the fruit oh the dinosaur and introduced sin yes and there's this scene that has like a velociraptor looked in dinosaur and it's like roaring and and now all of a sudden the dinosaurs are not nice and friendly now they look mean and their teeth are sharp the and, fear right and then the guy explains that uh since adam and eve introduced sin into the world now the world that isn't as good at as it used to be. They're not vegetarians anymore. So now the dinosaurs are eating each other, which did not happen because before that, all animals were vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so I'm, I don't know. I can't even. I paused. I paused the DVD and just sat. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it was that meme of you've ever heard anything so stupid it gives you Forrest Whitaker eye because I felt like my right eye was twitching, twitching as my brain was trying to <laughs> process like this. process the fact that all of these animals used to be vegetarian <laughs> <I know. laughs> and he said it with such conviction yeah, man. yeah I remember he was, he was so like, sure fucking Eve man she's the reason nobody's vegetarian anymore Women, am I right? I mean, in, in that case, why isn't like biblically? Why aren't the Duggars vegetarians then? Ooh, ooh! If that was before things went wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Why aren't they fucking vegetarian? Tater tot casserole, theirs has meat in it, mm -hmm. and no vegetables, by the way. <laughs> Anything else on the museum? No, it was a it doozy. Was definitely a and thing. I'm like, I could go on soapboxes right now. Like, I have a huge, Tim knows, I have a huge <laughs> issue with Noah's Ark that, like, I rail <laughs> on forever. But we will move on. <laughs> there was a, a picture that they had up of uh, Noah's Ark for real. And it was, like, two elephants, like, carrying, like, two by fours up a ramp. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was funny in general. But then... On a side tangent. Very helpful elephants. <laughs> um, there's a bunch in the show Futurama. There's a bunch of like climate changey type things going on. Weather. And uh, I just told Whitney about this the other day. So there's going to be a giant flood. And this gay man makes a, a giant boat. And he puts two animals of every kind. And one of, <laughs> one of the guys goes, um, but all the animals that you put on here are male. 
how are you going to save them? And he was like, there's parts of the Bible I like and parts I don't like. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Oh, like... Or there's there's a meme that's been going around Reddit where it's like a from some children's picture book and it's showing all these animals and the two lions that are going up the ramp are both male are both male lions. Good luck saving them lions. I know. God, they both they both got the mane. Like you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So funny. Oh man. I could go on forever, so oh, we will move God. on because I have a serious <laughs> issue with Noah. Oh. Uh, gather myself for a second um so then we're finally to the point where they're getting to michelle's family reunion again in ohio and it's at her sister kathy's house Mm -hmm. and they end up she her sister has two pontoon boats that the family has to ride over because it does look like she has a pretty cool like pretty big nice property along some water Mm -hmm. and yeah so they have to take the boats over and Kathy says how, you know, I'm going to have to be reintroduced to all these kids. Oh, my God. Like, and she seems kind of, like, embarrassed by it. But mm. it's like, I don't fucking bl- blame you, lady. I don't think Michelle knows her kids. <laughs> so it's like, we can't expect you. And we find out that it's been four years yep. since they've seen it. So think of how many kids. There have been at least four kids born. And, yeah, it's like, Michelle doesn't know her kids. It's okay, Kathy. We <laughs> forgive you. This is also the very first introduction of their modest swimwear. Yeah. But you really only see it on one little girl. Yeah, they don't really show a lot of it on on So just you wait, Tim. You don't even know what you're in for when you see it on like an older person. I want to buy one of these for me. Just you wait. I can't wait for you to actually see it. So I I felt like I had to acknowledge that it was the first showing of it, Mm -hmm. but it's not really like a great debut. Yeah, and Lego hair decides that his explanation about the swimsuits talk about how uh, it's better to be fo- people to be focusing on your countenance Again, your while you're swimming and not showing off a bunch of skin. And with Josh around, it's probably better that the family's not showing off a lot of skin. Yeah, yeah. There was one thing he got a little right there. <laughs> so then Michelle's sister Frida and I—I I can't. St- help but say Frida because we both love the nanny and Frida (laughs) so Frida talks about how she was 18 years old when Michelle was born Mm -hmm. and how she helped feed and diaper her sister moms again yep go figure this is why Michelle's like this is fine this Mm -hmm. is what happened in my family's fine it's normal yep and they're having the get together because Michelle's dad is in early (laughs) stages of Alzheimer's so they just wanted to get the family together while he was still able to kind of get around and know what's going on so it was kind of sad. Frida didn't want to say what was going on with Grandpa. And then they were showing kind of a talking head with Michelle. And, like, she wouldn't say what was happening either. Like, and Frida, it was like a niece. Yeah. Frida, Frida was like, well, you know, it's been... He's been doing well, but it's been... You know, he has... Well, well, I don't want to say it. And then he like kept, she kept moving on, and then Michelle did the same thing. And then her niece was like, "He's got he has early said Alzheimer's." <laughs> I know someone yeah. just fucking say it. it's not shameful. It's like it's a yeah. part of life that happens. You're not going to make it worse like, the more you say the word. Seriously, like don't say it. <laughs> so then Michelle's like, there's just kind of like little flashes of different moments. So I'm just mm-hmm. gonna kind of, I'm just gonna talk about some of the highlight ones. If you have different ones chime in mm-hmm. but michelle's nephew says i'm older than her by two years but i still have to call her aunt and i still have to call him uncle and he says it kind of like with like a like a little bit of a tone oh gotta call <laughs> yeah. him uncle yep and then her sister evelyn so if you remember evelyn was the one that people were like hoping was alice because she's evelyn alice <laughs> yeah but 
she's not but evelyn says i think my mother and father wanted two different families because mm-hmm. michelle and carol are the second generation and the rest of us the first five we were pretty much grown when they were younger mm-hmm. and then grandpa finally arrives did you have anything else you wanted to pop in before that Mm-mm. okay so then grandpa arrives and i will say there is sort of a sweet moment where he cries when mm-hmm. like the little Duggar boys like give him pictures because he and like yeah he just is, he just kind of cries and mm-hmm. I don't know it's, it's sort of sweet yeah there's a really awkward I don't know you family hug yeah um and Michelle's like oh the boys can't wait to hug you <laughs> and it's like I'm sorry like the bottom half of your family doesn't, doesn't know, know who him he is. yeah and there's this really awkward thing of one of the lost boys like giving him giving him that like awkward side hug. And I know you said your family didn't do that. My my family's Mexican. You, you have, have to, to hug, hug everybody. Everyone. So it's like I would stand there with somebody that I've never, ever met before. My mom would be like, hug them. <laughs> and then give me like the mom eyes. And then I awkwardly have to like hug this man that I've never, never met before. Your entire <laughs> you know? life. Yeah. yeah. That's, why, that's why I struggle with um, get togethers in general with Tim's family. Because like I have anxiety. It's social anxiety on top of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly like, oh God, when I get there, I have to hug everybody. When I leave, I have to hug everybody. <laughs> and, like, and like when little kids get sent over to me, I'm like, you don't have to hug me. It's, it's okay. I promise. <laughs> Just move on to the next person. Yep. Okay. So that's all I have for the episode. Do you have anything else? There was just one point where Josh did like a little speech um, kind of to everybody that was there. And he was like, well, you know, we all want to hear what Josh has to say. Yeah. And they cut into it at the end and he was just like you know one day i really hope to have this kind of family when i'm your age and it was it it was just as awkward as when lego hair talks where like it felt staged and it's like dude just well my takeaway from it is i feel like josh really thinks that he's like has something to say like he's really saying something of value and it's just like you're not really i don't know you can just tell that he thinks that like when he speaks Mm -hmm. it's something and you can tell with his mannerisms when it comes to uh, when they were driving to the amusement park and the the SUV that had all like the things like he thought he was hot shit yeah. in a champagne glass when he was talking about all the features that this car has when they left their sisters in the middle of the driveway uh, <laughs> to fix a tire and he was driving away in like a Camaro or a Corvette or whatever it was. You could tell like when he was getting in, like he thinks he's hot oh, shit. Yeah. He does. So, for sure. Yeah. It's just funny to see it because then now we know what we know. So you're like, <laughs> you don't even know what's coming for you, right. bro. Yeah. All I right. mean, that animatronic knew. Oh, yeah. Judgment draws near. Yeah. Who was it? <laughs> Was it Noah? It was Noah. Again, it was right? probably Noah. Fucking yeah. Noah. He's... Or the dude. Either way, you know. <laughs> okay, take a small breaky break, and then we'll be back with the deep dive. Okay, it's deep dive time, <laughs> and I just want to say that, like clockwork, Mildred was not around for that first half, mm-hmm. and then she came in here and she jumped into my lap right as we were getting started for deep dive. Because I feel like she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was I was part of this, so I'm here for it. <laughs> so we had just posted a pic- I had just posted a picture yesterday of how Mildred was helping, air quotes, helping me with the deep dive. So she wanted to be a part of this. She's, she's gone already. But um, <laughs> she she showed up. She made face. Just want everybody to know she was here. It's a cute little face. It's adorable. Okay, so today's deep dive is... All about Michelle's background up until pre-Jim Bob days. So that's where the cutoff is when she Mm -hmm. meets Jim Bob. When it all went downhill. Pretty much. (laughs) 
Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is give you a little bit of background on her parents, just because I find I'm a slut for details. And so I just like to hear like little things, you know, kind of mm-hmm. paints the picture a little bit more. So let's start with her dad, who we saw in the episode. Mm-hmm. His name is Garrett Rourke, and he was born December 7th, 1924. Garrett was the third of four kids, and sadly, when he was four, his dad died, like, very, very young. Mm -hmm. So that left behind his mother, who was only 22 years old. Fantastic. With four kids, ages six and under. Oof. In 1928, just as the Great Depression was, like, getting underway. So she had her first kid at 16. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. yeah. So there she is, 22 years old. She just, she's a widow. Mm. The Great Depression is rolling, and she's left with four little, little kids. So obviously she's left completely broke, and she doesn't have a whole lot of options, so she ends up turning her kids over to a children's home. The oldest, who happened to be a girl, uh, she was placed in a foster home, but the remaining three kids, which of course includes Garrett, Mm Mm-hmm. They were placed in an orphanage, and they ended up being there for eight years until their mother was able to remarry and then be able to afford to get them back. So they do eventually get to go back to their mother, and it sounds like they had a pretty good relationship with the stepfather from what I could kind of tell. Okay. So that's just a little bit about her dad. So then Michelle's mom, her name is Ethel. I love the fucking name Ethel. (laughs) I love it name. Um, Ethel's maiden name was Harden. So Ethel Harden was born February 19th, 1927. And she was one of eight kids. I couldn't find anywhere specifically stating where she was in the eight, but mm-hmm. she's one of eight. Okay. And she too also unfortunately had a parent pass. When she was 14 years old, her mother died from a diabetic coma. Oh, damn. So that's <laughs> like, yeesh. <laughs> yeah. So they both lost parents at a at a very young age so then garrett and ethel they got married on april 21st 1943 and so that makes them roughly and when i say roughly i'm just taking the years and subtracting i'm not looking at months like it's too too much work to look at months and figure out exactly but just subtracting the years that makes them roughly garrett being 19 and ethel being 16 Mm -hmm. which is if you think about it that's roughly the ages of boob and michelle Mm -hmm. they were 19 and 17 right they're 19 and 16 which is just funny because 19 and 16 common in 1943 not common in 1984 right (laughs) like boob and michelle were young for getting married in 1984 so ethel quickly got pregnant after they're married so apple uh doesn't fall far from the tree with michelle (laughs) But Garrett had just joined the army, and he was sent to go serve in World War II. Mm-hmm. So the oldest sister, Pam, who we saw in this episode, and we also met her in one of those early specials, mm. if you remember her. Oldest Pam, she was born June 14th, 1944, but it was three whole years until Garrett was able to come home and even meet her. Oh, wow. So the beginning, the first few years of the marriage, they weren't even together. He wasn't even around his child. Right. So that's just a little bit of background on how the on the parents and how the family came to be. Now let's just get into the kids specifically. So we just talked about Pam, oldest, born in 1944. Mm-hmm. Then we have Frida, 
Mm-hmm. She was born in October of 1948. Then there's Evelyn, wannabe Alice. She was born December 1950. Then we have Kathy. That's who, where they were having the reunion at. Mm-hmm. Kathy was born in September 1952. Then Garrett Jr. He was born June 1954. That's the only brother. The only boy in the lot. Yeah. Then there's Carolyn, who was born in 19, November 1961. And then Michelle, September 1966. So the reason I rattled off all of that is just to really paint the picture of the considerable age gaps. Correct. So there are 22 years between Pam the oldest and Michelle the youngest. Like 22 years is a a lot. Yeah. So if you remember from that special, Pam was pregnant with her third at the same time that her mother, Ethel, was pregnant with Michelle. Correct. So remember how Evelyn spoke of like the two generations essentially? Mm Mm-hmm. So the first five are born within a five-year, I'm sorry, first five are born within a 10-year period, 1944 to 1954. Mm-hmm. Then there's a seven-year age gap between those two, quote-unquote, generations, Yeah. where Michelle's sister Carolyn is born. Then adding to the gap even more, there's a full five years between Michelle and Carolyn. Right. So it's like... There's gaps upon gaps upon gaps. Right. <laughs> like, it's pretty considerable to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can relate to this to an extent. So, I, too, am the baby in the family, like Michelle. I'm the youngest of four. And we, so, but I'm the, you know, the youngest. And my oldest sister, Bree, there's 12 years between us. I thought mm-hmm. 12 years was a lot. And then they've oh, got yeah. 22, <laughs> 22 yeah. years. And then we also kind of have that two generation feel yeah because my oldest sisters are like two three years apart and then there's this giant six-year gap whereas between their two generations there's a seven-year gap mm-hmm. we had a six-year gap my sister kinsey right above me she's three years um older than me and then there was me mm-hmm. much like michelle it sounds like we were both accident oh i'm sorry i'm sorry my mom says I'm not an accident. You're a surprise. I'm a surprise because accidents are bad and surprises are good. <laughs> that's from Roseanne. Is it? I don't There's know. a point in Roseanne where uh, DJ oh, that's right. runs it's in the and then he's like, Darlene keeps saying I'm a, I'm an accident. And she says, you're not an accident. You're a surprise. And he's like, what's the difference? And she's like, well, one of them you're not excited when you get it. And the other one, even though you weren't planning on it. You love it once you have it. All of us youngest, man. All of us unplanned, <laughs> yo- unplanned youngest are like, our parents are like, no, you were a surprise. <laughs> That's what my mom used to tell me. Mm-hmm, surprise, yeah. huh? <laughs> Accident. So in, in these weird ways, I can kind of relate to Michelle. So mine wasn't quite as severe, but mm-hmm. I definitely, I felt that where it's like my, my two oldest sisters, their experience of their childhood is entirely different than the experience. Yep of me and Kinsey like it's mm-hmm. two very different things so in, in one way I do have that in common with her yeah but that's it yeah ending right there right there it, <laughs> uh, it ends so let's get into Michelle's childhood so when Michelle was in grade school those older five children were basically out of the house and starting their own families and moving on with their lives leaving just her and Carolyn at home mm-hmm 
Michelle has described herself as a tomboy. She said she liked to climb trees and catch frogs and loved anything athletic. So she loved gymnastics, speed skating, riding bikes, etc. And she talks about how, as a kid, she was basically allowed to roam free in her neighborhood. She's like, I kind of got to do whatever I wanted, Mm -hmm. wherever I wanted. And she said that her neighborhood was mostly little boys. And there was only one other little girl. Mm -hmm. She said the boys would be building forts and that she would want to join in on it. And they'd be like, no, you're a girl. You can't join. And she said that she would beat them up. So it's really funny to me to think of Michelle like beating up a little boy. But she said that she was like known as a neighborhood bully because of that. (laughs) I just imagine um, the little redhead girl from Up. Ellie. Yeah, (laughs) like Ellie is a little girl where she's just like running around and getting in shit and getting dirty and well and I, like literally as i imagine like a little michelle being like that and i'm like oh before you had everything beat out of you like yeah. when you were actually it's a person it is sad like yeah. it is sad when i think about it like that mm-hmm. and i think as we go forward um you'll kind of see the parallels with joy okay. so we'll, we'll kind of see that so she michelle also describes herself as being a little spoiled being the youngest mm-hmm. and she kind of talks about how her ol- older siblings were like continually giving her crap about how spoiled she was and how they had such a different upbringing from her they are like you don't even have to keep your room clean let alone do household chores so <laughs> they clearly didn't have jurisdictions for little michelle <laughs> and her siblings talked about how when they were young they had to learn to cook and they're like, you don't even know how to make French toast. And I'm like, she still doesn't. She still doesn't do the cooking. Like, where's Jill when you need her? <laughs> so when it comes to money, it sounds like her family wasn't rich by any means. But she says that they're always comfortable. Mm. And that she never even had to earn her money. So she didn't have to get like three cents per jurisdiction. <laughs> her parents actually just gave her spending money as as she wanted it. Oh, which is what Michelle says is what makes it even more scandalous about what she did as a child. Ready Uh-oh. for the sin and the scandal? It's a good thing I'm sitting down. I'm assuming there's pants involved. <laughs> All through her childhood, actually. So it sounds like this was in her junior high years. And she went to the public swimming school pretty much daily during the summer. One day, and she says that to this day, she doesn't know why she can't, she doesn't, she can't figure it out. Because like I said, she's like, I had money. My parents gave this to me. So she doesn't know why she did it. She stole something. But she walked over to a woman's open purse and took money out of it. Wow. And she proceeded to walk over to the concession stand and stand in line to buy herself a little treat with the money she just, she just stole. I bet she wasn't wearing a modest swimsuit either. I bet not. Nope. That's where she went wrong. See? One the thing, it's an, See? It's an it's entry just, sin. Exactly. You wear a swimsuit, fucking thief. Yep. A gateway sin. It That's is. what I was thinking. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the lady who she stole from realized what the fuck just happened. And she came up to Michelle in the snack bar and she grabbed her by the arm. The lady got the pool manager involved and there was a debate about what they were supposed to do and she says at one point they're like do we call the police i'm like did they really like i I don't know like sometimes (laughs) like i'm like is this part of like playing it up in a book right but they ultimately decided to call her mom 
So her mom comes and gets her and Michelle talks about how the car ride was just terrible. But even through all of that, Michelle denied it up and down. Wow. And then she didn't. And then even when her father got home, she still denied it. Training her for having a sex pest son. You know what? This is where it went. This is where it started. Deny, 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 deny. Yep. So she doesn't specify exactly how long it is, but she says it was some time, which I don't know what some time means, but it was some time before she finally ended up confessing to it. And of course, her parents knew all along. Mm -hmm. She said that after this, she was just like riddled with guilt and for not only being a thief, but also for lying about it for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And she said she was just kind of overcome with feelings of fear of people finding out and knowing that she did this so she ended up spending you know like her younger years trying to win people over with kindness and being outgoing and like to just prove that she's not this like thief type person okay so now let's talk about um high school years so by high school she is now essentially an only child Mm -hmm. so you're not she's not an only child but she kind of is at this point right correct So she went on to become Miss Congeniality and a cheerleader, which we know. Scandal. I mean, I feel like there is no shortage of like bringing that up whenever possible. Like they highlight that in the show whenever. Mm. Yeah, I I was a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And like TLC is always like, you know, I mean, I just think that they love the. Dichotomy. Yes. Yeah. So no shortage of highlighting that. Mm Mm-hmm. A former classmate of Michelle's. I just wanted to say what they, what some people had to say about her. Okay. His name was Joe. So Joe described Michelle as a very pretty, very popular cheerleader who definitely dated a few guys before Jim Bob. Slut. Slut. <laughs> <laughs> and that she it was, must have been the voice. Oh, yeah, that's that that's whisper. So she's like, hi, I'm Michelle. See, she's missing it. She could have done ASMR. She could have been Some one of those uh, phone call people. Sex line operators and 900 number. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Do you want a party? What's your jurisdiction? <laughs> it's going to be you, baby. <laughs> I'm your jurisdiction. <laughs> okay, and so Joe also said that she was always part of that group of cheerleaders and jocks who partied together Woo! i want the fucking deets on what partied is right because like i there's like my like when i was in high school like what i thought it was like a party and then when people tell me oh i went to a party i'm like you mean like fucking hanging out mm-hmm. now do you know if their family was religious at all we're gonna get to that okay here we go. a little down the oh it's the next point would you like me to just quit, go right to that what? please do so my next uh, point is religion. <laughs> See, I'm a podcast professional. I know. It's I like, don't know it, if you know this. You know, it's like we're just like completely in sync too, you know? It's like I looked you look at my notes beforehand or something. I yeah. didn't. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, <laughs> so Michelle's family wasn't religious growing up. <laughs> in December 2020, she was on an episode of Ginger and her husband Jeremy's now defunct podcast. And <laughs> oh, she said, God. quote, and I wrote... When I was 15 years old, I met Christ for the first time in my life. I'd grown up in a very loving home, but my life was empty and void. I was searching for meaning in life. I know. Like, I think it's just like later on. It's so. This idea that everything was so bad. 
or like before I, you i just feel like that's what like people with religion like it's it's a good story to talk about how lost you were like you know oh, yeah. and like, oh and then i was found it's like and then everybody else goes oh oh they must have done all these bad things and then now they're good like it's like she dated two boys and all of a sudden she's like yeah miss me with that shit yeah so and then later on in the interview she heavily refers back to the guilt of being a liar and a thief (laughs) i don't think in this in the episode i could be wrong but i don't think she necessarily tells that story i don't know Mm -hmm. but like she talks about just like feelings of like of being a liar so let's talk about she. You know, she just said that she first met Christ when she was fifteen, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. he just like showed up one day. Um, yeah. So let's talk about what happened when she was fifteen. Uh oh. Michelle's friend Janet Smith. God damn it, Janet Smith. <clears throat> Janet Smith was spending the night, and they were discussing an end times movie that was popular at the time. Michelle was basically scared shitless. I hope it was Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Talking about this movie. And she was just telling Janet how she knew if she died right now, she would go to hell. For what? Like, what the fuck? For taking a lady's money at the snack bar? Like For partying too hard. <laughs> that skirt you're wearing is a cheerleader. Man. But, you know, her friend Janet, she was calm. Calm as a cucumber. Or as a pickle, if you're a dugger. <laughs> Janet was calm. Janet. <laughs> And, um, yeah, Janet just started to share with Michelle, like, her faith and her testimony. And she invited Michelle to come to church with her the next time church was rolling around. Okay. So Michelle goes to that church service. And, of course, what do you know? She hears everything she wants to hear. (laughs) She heard that she can be forgiven for everything she has ever done. And that God loves her and has a special plan for her life. (laughs) So it's like, okay, so the feeling, you know, being able to be forgiven for everything, that's now pandering to her feelings of guilt, right? And hearing that God has this special plan for her, that just is completely going with her feeling empty and, you know, searching for meaning. Well, it's like, well, now just, well, there's a plan? Sweet, you know? Mm -hmm. So she just heard everything she needed to hear. Mm Mm-hmm. So then the pastor invites anyone who wants to give their life to Jesus to come forward. Michelle jumps up out of her seat. She said she didn't even really knew what that meant or what she was doing exactly. But she jumps up out of her seat and she runs over there and she was the first to be there. And she gave her life to Christ. Okay. She was saved. And the rest is history as far as that goes. <laughs> and then years later, she gave her life to TLC. Yep. <laughs> So it was one month after this whole sleepover and giving her life to to Christ thing. It was one month later when Jim Bob showed up with his friend Fred at her house. And made no No impression impression whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah. And then it's a year later before they actually, you know, like go on a date and stuff like that. But so it's. Because once again, he made no impression whatsoever. whatsoever. (laughs) But it's kind of. So now you can kind of line these two up that they are a month apart from each other. So I want so you... That was, a, that was a bad month for Michelle. Yeah, right? Her whole life. She had no idea. This is where it all started oh, the trajectory, man. you know? So now let's give a few little bonus tidbits, okay? Okay. So we talked about how they were discussing this movie, right? 
So Michelle has never specifically named the movie, which number one I find is interesting for, okay, if this was the thing that scared you enough, I'd like, what if, okay, if your whole, we know that their, their whole lot in life, their whole meaning is to try to like bring others to Christ, right? Correct. If this is what did it for you, why wouldn't you just say the fucking movie, you know? <laughs> so I think that's interesting that she won't just say it. I think the story's made up. But also, is it because it's too secular of a movie? Like, you know, there's just a lot of things. I don't want to promote any of that. Yeah, because it's not an IBLP production. Mm-hmm. So she if never specifically. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of all these movies and watching a young Michelle like clutch her pearls. I'm Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I'm voting Planet of the Apes. Well, okay. So, of course, speculation. She's never named it. We don't know for sure. But it is widely thought to be A Thief in the Night. Okay. A Thief in the Night came out in 1972, mm-hmm. but it was heavily circulated amongst evangelical groups and especially youth groups. Because what do you want to do to a kid? Scare the fucking shit out of them. Of course. Get them on your side by scaring the fucking piss out of them. Yeah. And it's actually um, sort of... Like, well, actually, how about I give you a little description of it? So when I went online, the actual like written description is... It's the story of Patty, a modern young woman caught up in living for the, for the present with little concern for the future. <laughs> As dramatic, earth-shattering events begin to unfold around her... Patty realizes she is living in the end times spoken of in the biblical prophecy. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little more of a rundown of what actually happens in the movie. Okay. So, Patty wakes up one morning to a report on the radio that millions of people, including her own husband, husband, are missing. And apparently, as the movie goes on, there are like flashbacks to parts Mm. of her life. So there's like her and like comparing three lives. Okay. Her friend that was like very devout, accepted Christ, blah, blah, blah. Then there's um, Patty who like thinks she's like accepted Christ, but isn't really living like life as a Christian, I think. And then I think there's her friend who's like off doing like whatever the fuck ever. Right. And so there's these flashbacks. And then in this, there's like a whole mark of the beast thing. Like now because of all of the millions of people being gone, something about like the, the government or whatever, Mm -hmm. I could be describing this a little bit wrong, but you get the idea. Okay. The government like to like buy and sell stuff. You have to get this mark or whatever. So of course, biblically they're calling this like the mark of the beast. Yeah. And it's her Patty being like, well, she, she doesn't know she fully accepts Christ, but she also doesn't want the mark of the beast. And they end up capturing her and she breaks away. And then when she does break away, she ends up escaping. I mean, after she escapes, she like falls to her death, like in the escape or something. Mm-hmm. And she wakes up, realizes it was all a dream. So, of course, she's like, whew, right? Patty's all, uh, mm-hmm. Patty's all relieved. But then she hears the exact same radio report about millions of people being missing. Again, realizes her husband is missing. And mm-hmm. then at this point, she realizes the rapture has actually occurred and she has been left behind. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Powerful. Powerful. <laughs> Nothing like a good scare tactic to, you know, try to convert people, right? Yeah. 
So it's funny because when I was reading online, people were saying that like that this movie like legitimately scared the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. So now I have to watch it. <laughs> now <laughs> this would be a good like uh, mystery science theater type watch through where yeah. we kind of just talk shit over yep. the top of it. Yeah. So now I have to watch it, but. It's actually, I, I cracked up because one comment online specifically mentioned about how, like, they're like, my parents would not let me watch Disney movies because of the witchcraft, which took me back to episode four mm. with Slutty Sea Witch. Yep. It's like, you can't watch Disney because that's bad and that's witchcraft. And they're like, but our parents sat us down very young and made us watch to this watch movie. This. And they're yeah. like, this scared the shit out of me more than any fucking Disney movie mm-hmm. ever could. Because, yeah. So, um, for two reasons. Number one, because I guess the idea behind it is that this girl thought she was saved and then isn't. So it's Mm -hmm. driving people who are already religious going like, what if what I think I'm doing isn't enough? Correct. So then they're like even more scared because like, Mm -hmm. they're like, I thought I was a good person. Like, you know, it's a whole another control tactic. Yep. Scare them even more. Mm -hmm. And then I guess just for the times, like being in the seventies, I guess it was just like, when I read online, it, it was almost described as being a pivotal sort of I don't know how to describe it but just like in the Christian community it was the first time that they took like horror mm-hmm. and like rock music and <laughs> you know like things like that and put it into a Christian thing so they're like it was to appeal to the masses because it's this horror type thing but then make it religious so it was we'll this brand new get thing you watching a religious movie so yeah, so it's just so funny that you don't want them seeing all these worldly things and like whatever, but then if it's a movie that scares the shit out of you to right. join our side, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people talk about, they're like, yeah, I just remember this movie completely scaring me out of a kid because even just for the horror type aspect of it. Yeah. And you, I'm reading um, kind of a page about it too. The f- the the part that it says is the film has been described as traumatic for children who made up a significant part of its original audience and criticized for using scare tactics to produce religious conversations. Yep. Yep. Evangelicals who grew up in the 1970s or early 80s often cite this movie as a source of childhood terror. I this bet. is partly due to depictions in the film of characters who believe themselves to be saved yep. but are actually not and are left behind. A quarter century later, I was thinking about this because when I was, the last time I was involved in church stuff, like sophomore-ish year of high school, Friday's freshman, sophomore, um, the Left Behind books were big. Oh, That yeah, was when yeah. those were coming yeah. out. And I remember the adults in my Catholic church were all pumped because they were like, look, it's new. Like, it's in the zeitgeist. Like, people know about it whether they're religious or not. Well, I just feel like the religious community gets pumped any fucking time that something kind of makes it semi-mainstream. Like, Passion of the Christ. Remember when Passion of the Christ oh, came yeah. out? And mm-hmm. it was like, look at this. And, yeah. like, like, they just get pumped any time that they can. And what was the Passion of the Christ? It was rated something that I would... It was rated R, wasn't it? Because of yeah. the violence. Yeah. Any other time, my dad would not let me see a rated R movie. Of course. But when it's Passion of the Christ, it's fine. And I'm yeah. like, so I'm like, oh, because you think that this is a real story. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's funny to me that, that the tactics of like, mm-hmm. it would be, that's bad any other time. But yeah, it's okay now. Like, yeah. oh, they don't, you know, Josiah said that there's really nothing to it when it comes to rock music. But in this movie that Michelle watched, like they used. Yeah. Okay. So one last little tidbit. Obviously, the purpose of this was just to point out, give you like a little picture into Michelle's life pre-Lego hair. 
<laughs> but I just wanted to touch on one thing that happened in her life post Lego. But I do feel like it has just like, you know, worth talking about. Michelle uh, PL. <laughs> oh, so Michelle's mother passed away in 1991 at the age of 64 when Michelle was just 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Michelle had three kids. So okay. she had Josh and the twins. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of wanted to emphasize it because I, I think it's very interesting that both her parents lost their lost, lost parent. parents young. Mm-hmm. And while 24 is not obviously as young, it's still young considering yeah. like she didn't get to have her mother there as she was like raising her children and stuff. Correct. But not that it means anything, but I thought it was funny. So her dad lost the lost his um, dad at age four. Mm-hmm. Her mom lost her mom at age 14. Michelle lost her mom at age 24. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? Fours. Like, yeah. But like 10 years apart. Four mm-hmm. plus 10 plus 10. I don't know. Just this one thing that as I was going through everything, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. So let's just go. I'm going to end it with just like my little takeaway, my opinions. So obviously going forward, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Take all of that with a heavy dose of salt if you'd like. A few more, more than one grain. So it doesn't sound to me like Michelle by any means had an unhappy childhood, mm-hmm. but I, I really can't help but feel like being the last born unplanned coming in at the at the end of an already well-established, fully grown family. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like in some way that has to kind of play into Michelle's overall situation. Right. It's like clearly she was an accident. And her parents had been parenting for fucking 20 years. They were done parenting. Yeah. And, you know, I I read online someone described being in the same type of situation. Being the youngest with much older family members. Mm -hmm. And I thought the way they described it was a really interesting take. They said it feels like arriving last to a party where everyone else is starting to leave. (laughs) And I'm like, but yeah, I I could see how this could easily easily lead to her having that feeling of wanting to belong somewhere yeah like maybe maybe if she wasn't even unhappy but just like this whole other thing happened in front of you mm-hmm. and like i felt like that in like small way now i had a sister three years above me so i i'm not trying to compare it to being the exact same and like i was completely on my own Correct. but like i remember being little and all my sisters being off at school and my mom fucking sleeping like mm-hmm. and i just like coloring by myself and i'd go wake up my mom and i'd show her the picture i colored and i'd go back and do my thing and it's like there is this sort of feeling of like you're like you're kind of feel a little bit like an afterthought yeah you know like even mm-hmm. if it's not on purpose mm-hmm. like but you're like you're just kind of like this this little this little thing that's hanging out here you know right um and then when you add in her intense feelings of guilt that she clearly had over one fucking instance. (laughs) And then finally that movie playing it into it. I just feel like it was like, boom, like this like recipe of like, I need belonging. I have intense guilt. Mm -hmm. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just keep thinking of, you know, I don't think her life was perfect by any means. Like nobody's life is perfect growing up, but because of the way that they 
indoctrinate you to come in it's that mindset of wasn't your life so much worse before this no that's so okay the fact that you said that is perfect because as i was reading things people were like oh yeah trauma leads to people being it was just kind of the conversation of converts are usually end up being more like gung-ho than people Mm -hmm. who are raised in it yeah because it's like they found this thing and they're gonna just go hard at it right yeah and it was people like talking about their they're like oh yeah trauma does that and then people are like it doesn't even matter if you had trauma because they will convince you of something being missing or something being wrong or something you know and that's why when you see like rehab that's why there's a lot of rehab that has so much religious background to it because it gives you essentially you were devoting your life to a substance or an action or whatever it is that you're going to rehab for. And it's like, you need to substitute that with something else. So it's easy for you to take that devotion, even though it was negative and put it towards a religion. When in reality, why don't you just try to subtract the thing? Like, why does it have to be a swap? Why can't you just try to get down to why I started doing this one thing, but doesn't mean I have to go balls it deep into this other thing, you know, like, and that's, I listened to a podcast that's been around forever that somebody's kind of like in, you know, the public sphere kind of. And that was his big thing was he's been clean for like 15 years. And he's like, that's the one thing is it took me four different programs until I found one that was not religious based. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't want that. I didn't feel like I needed that. I didn't need to devote my life to something. Because you were I just wanted to not drink anymore. Yeah, you were you were (laughs) drinking because you didn't have God in your life. (laughs) Exactly. He wasn't at the center of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that's that's not always the fucking thing. Like get And you see that in prison. Oh yeah. Like everybody comes like all like not everybody, but like they, they push that hard in prison too because it's like, oh you made you made these decisions because you didn't have god in your life and once again that idea of like you can be absolved of your sins it's so it'll be all good if you join our team yes it's so attractive to them because when they do feel guilt it's like guilt it's like people feel guilt whether you know michelle with one fucking thing or people in prison for whatever the hell happened to them Mm -hmm. and it could have happened thing you know people make decisions for a variety of reasons there's trauma there's bad just bad decisions there's Mm -hmm. you know like you know there's a variety of reasons but if they can convince you that if they can play off your guilt and tell you that, oh, well, we've got the answer to it. Right. That's all gone if you just do this. And mm-hmm. that's when you get people like Michelle running down the fucking aisle to be first in line. <laughs> yeah. It's predatory. Yeah. That's why I said like, oh, you know, she heard. And she even said like, it's like the pastor was talking to me. I'm like, of course you felt that way. Because that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's the fucking point. They want you to feel like they are talking to you directly. And when I say this, I want people to understand that I'm not saying you can't ever come out of something with a good takeaway. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't hear things from other people and be like, oh, that was great. Like, I really learned from that or that really spoke to me. But in these types of situations, we can't deny that there are times where it's like that is purposely a tactic to try to bring person because they know that's going to stir something Mm -hmm. in more than one person and make them feel like, oh, my God, that's me. Yeah. I feel like I rambled. Did that make sense? It did make sense. Um, To kind of like button up that, I think I was having a debate with somebody at work about dramatic acting and comedic acting. And one of the things that I, the point I was trying to make was that being a dramatic actor and kind of pulling at somebody's heartstrings when you're doing something dramatic is easier than trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Because being funny is so subjective and it has to do with so many factors. 
if I'm in a, there's a point to this, I promise. Um, if I'm in a dramatic movie and I have a scene with my father and it's something about losing my father, everybody can relate. Whether you had a relationship with your father because maybe you wished you had one. Or if you did have a relationship with your father and he died. Or, you know, there's so many things where, like, that can pull on heartstrings of all of these different groups of people, regardless of whether they relate or not. Yeah. And when you do comedy, it's the opposite. Like, if it's not funny, it's really not funny. You know what I mean? So um, it's that same idea. If you present a message in that way, it's kind of easy to pull. For people to find something in that that relates to them. Boom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So to me, just the overall theme again guilt it takes me back to when we talked about jacaleb yeah how they felt such intense guilt Mm -hmm. over what they thought was them ending a life with because of their lack of knowledge or whatever correct and what did that lead to where they're at now you know (laughs) and what michelle feeling this intense guilt what did that lead to her you know her first getting into like religion or whatever yeah so it's like guilt is like an overall very like a major factor it's a powerful motivator. and how old yeah it's yeah because it it kind of what i said before back in the jacaleb episode guilt makes you vulnerable mm-hmm. and in my opinion vulnerability makes it easy makes you more susceptible to extremism yeah yeah brene brown talks about like shame and brene brown's awesome i remember saying ted talks of hers from years ago before Before she she was in big yeah and one of her first one was on shame and she's like shame is the feeling that it's not that you've done something wrong in that moment shame is the fact that you've done something wrong and it makes you unlovable and that you'll never be lovable again which is like michelle saying how then she tried to counter you know then she was like trying to be likable trying to be a friend to everyone yeah yeah Yeah. because you you don't want people to know what you did because it you're afraid of them not being able to think positively about you. And that's ex- you're describing exactly what she was saying. Yeah. Yeah. And and once again, we've seen this when it comes to the the baby stomach, the the pregnant stomach during her uh, ultrasound with all the kids there. There's just this level of like you should never ever show any of that. Like don't show anybody. They're not gonna. Li- They're all going to laugh at you. (laughs) They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. (laughs) Yeah, it's just everything is so built on guilt and shame. And it's sad. And like, so even just as you're saying it right now, I'm like, okay, now I'm taking another takeaway from it. (laughs) It's getting through life, accepting things that you're not proud of without taking it to a place of like ruling everything. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And And it's hard. And I feel like those conversations open up if you can if you can open enough to admit the things that you're shameful about it you grow from there like just from there because it doesn't own you anymore it doesn't not, own and, your life and being willing to just talk about it and not look for like oh well with god it's just forget like i don't yeah. care i don't care believe in god believe in like you know um confessing to your sins or whatever whatever yeah. word i'm looking for right now like i don't care but yeah. But maybe that's not the end all be all. Maybe you also within yourself need to come to terms with it and not mm-hmm. just be like, oh, well, God forgave me. You know, like. It's not just a washing of your hands. Yeah. It's an understanding why you made that decision, mm-hmm. understanding how it affected other people, and then moving forward and changing your behavior so you don't do it again. And even if Michelle says till this day she doesn't know why, then it may be a CX accepting, I don't know why, but I'm not going to do that again. 
Like, yeah. Like, in, but she couldn't look at it like that. And instead, she was just like, wait, like it weighed so heavily on her. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes we just do stupid shit. And even if we don't know why we did it, then move on. You didn't kill anybody. Yeah. You took some money out of a lady's purse for nachos. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and we speak about that at work where, you know, you have employees that you kind of coach and counsel. And then they make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And one of my other directors and I, our favorite thing recently has been, I don't want empty apologies. I want modified behavior. And so that's been kind of our thing is like, are you doing this because you really want to change your behavior and you believe that that's not a direction you want to go? Or are you doing it because you're afraid of going to hell? Well, yeah. And it sounds like she was largely driven by the fear of going to hell. Yeah. And it's like, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I don't know what's happening afterwards and I actually really don't care. Yeah. Which I feel, I remember saying that one time. I, I literally remember at one one of my old jobs saying mm-hmm. that to someone. They were, they could not wrap their mind around yeah. me. They're like, what do you mean you don't care? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. It doesn't drive me every day. I don't do good or bad every day because of a fear of where I'm going. Correct. Or trying to get somewhere better. Correct. I just try to do the best I can every fucking day. Yeah. I remember having that exact same conversation with my father and it was the same thing. I didn't, it's funny thinking of me as like kind of a little shithead (laughs) where I was just trying to like counteract what my dad said, Mm -hmm. but thinking about it, I was making some salient points and the points I was making was none of us know if that's where we go. Yeah. So why am I going to spend so much mental bandwidth worrying as opposed to focusing on trying to be a good person now? Because then you're because then you're caught up. Oh yeah. Because if I die and I feel like I treated people well and protected peace. the people around me, it doesn't matter yeah. whether I go to this fancy place or not. That's all I can control. Like, I just don't give it. Like, and so it's so funny that the description of the movie is Patty, a modern woman, focused on today and not and not about the future. And I'm she like, she well, sounds worldly. Well, well, that's fucking me. I'm a fucking Patty, okay? Because I'm not focused on. I'm I'm focused on making some sort of. Like, if I die, I just want people to be like, oh, she in some way was a good person. That's it. That's all I fucking care about. Yeah. And I feel like for the most part, I can die tomorrow and people aren't going to be like, God, she was a fucking piece of trash. That's all I care about. (laughs) Yeah. So it's so funny to me that, like, for that to be the focus, that's what eats away at people. Yeah. And I'm I'm the same way. Probably about a month ago, I had a real, real rough time with legacy. And it's not. I want people to remember the things that I did and like my so accomplishments. So grandiose, like, oh, no. he did all that, yeah. Yeah, and what it was is we had somebody that left our ho- an employee that uh, abandoned their job and like nobody talked to them at all. And I kept thinking about we don't know anything about this person and where they went and all we have is the feelings that they left us with. Like I want to, if I died tomorrow... Once again, like you were saying, I want people to have a positive idea of how I made them feel. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big thing like this huge, gigantic accomplishment. But hey. Mm -hmm. And it's not like. I like being around them or, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it has to do with like pleasing people. It's not about like, okay, cool. I, I was a doormat and they walked all over me because then they'll think positively of me. No. I feel like if I died tomorrow. I have employees that I've had to kick in the ass and I've had to write up and I've had to do these things that are negative, but because it's also paired with 
being a level of support for them and being a cheerleader for them when I've had to. And I feel like even though I've done negative things to them in that arena, it's going to leave them with the positive legacy. Yeah. And I think that on the flip side, there's the Anna and the Michelles and everybody that wrote those letters that are like, look at this physical thing, Josh did giving money, Mm -hmm. doing this physical thing. But and so they're so focused on that, but it's like, what did he really actually leave behind in the world? Like, right. <laughs> he did this other, like, terrible thing. So yeah. it's like, it has to be about the good you're doing, not, and it doesn't have to be big mm-hmm. or s- super specific. I yeah. feel like it's just your overall being, you know? Yeah. Agree. So, yeah, I think I that's like it. that these episodes are getting deeper. I know. And it's like, I well, now I feel it. like I used to be like, okay, it was episode recap and then deep dive. <laughs> now it seems to be three segments episode deep dive uh unpack and breakdown yeah breakdown yeah pretty much <laughs> jesus christ yeah. christ on a cracker so uh, i think getting... these have been good though yeah so anyways i am not uh i have a lot of guilt in my life over little things but thank god i'm not driven by deep-seated guilt that's gonna you know mm-hmm. it doesn't like drive me into like this like like, I'm the kid that I think about, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I remember when I was at that sleepover and that one girl stole candy out of the Brock's uh, bulk candy bin and I didn't even steal it. And I was like, oh, my God, she's the one. I still think about that every once in a while, but it's not yeah. like, you know. Yeah. See, and I feel like I'm a little bit of the opposite. I feel like a lot of my life is driven by guilt, whether it's something that I did myself, a way that just a way that I feel about things. I feel guilty about shit that I can't control in other people's lives. Like I just feel bad if I've remotely contributed to something evolved there, but it doesn't run my life. Me too. Like um, I still think about times in grade school where kids were mean to other kids that I didn't say something. You didn't do something. Like they weren't beating him up, but they were being not nice. And I'm like, fuck, I should have said something. I'm like 32 year old Whitney would stick up the fuck for that kid. Like, you know, but yeah, so those are things that to this day I still think about, but I don't think I'm a piece of shit for it. Like, yeah. You know, so. yeah. All right. I guess we should end it at some point. It's <laughs> probably a long one. I don't know where we're at, but it's probably it's long. A good one. Yeah, it's a long it's one. It's been a good one. Okay. So that's a little bit about Michelle Ruwerk Duggar. And Whitney Solgato. <laughs> and Tim. <laughs> um, so as usual, we got the, we got the, gmail digging up the duggers at gmail email account mm-hmm. then we have digging up the duggers pod that is our instagram handle mm-hmm. um hearing from you guys people again we really appreciate your if you're listening at this point i think you might like it so maybe leave us a positive <laughs> review if you're hate listening at episode 14 what are you still doing here <laughs> um but yeah we appreciate your reviews because like we said before it moves us up people mm-hmm. i still have this idea of like okay everybody that's gonna find us has found us right nope they're still finding us yeah like just this week we have a we have a friend from hell <laughs> hell norway yeah. not, not the tater tot mansion as you might think correct um our friend from hell norway just joined yeah. us this week i mean so people are still getting in on it so yeah we Shout out to uh, Sassy Sprinkles <laughs> on Instagram, fellow Whovian. What up, girl? Tim um, likes to be able to talk to someone about the Doctor Who, so he appreciates you. Oh, yeah. And I figured the Venn diagram of listeners would cross over at some point. At some point, point so yeah. Somebody's going to get a like a kick out of the Futurama reference today. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. I, 
I love talking to people. I think it's really cool that we have. Uh, what was it? There was somebody from Canada that said they were like out in the wilderness oh, listening yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, like, <laughs> yep, so like, yeah, yeah, super awesome. We love to hear from you guys. Yep, it's been a lot of fun. So, and if we don't get back to you right away, it's just we we do get back to you at some point. It's just trying to get to it in the day and whatever. So you might see us on red. We won't leave you on red. We will eventually answer you. Correct. We appreciate you guys being here, and we'll see you again next week. Have a good week.